Welcome to Saturday Morning Statistics. We've got a lot to cover today, so we're going to make up for the past few weeks and talk about statistics, a sprinkle of economics, and of course, tons of Canvas data. So I'll save a bit of time here at the end, so I'll try to maybe talk for between 30 and 45 minutes about the subject, and then we can talk about everything at the end. So before we dive into everything real quick, we've got some returning people, so Marjana and Cheyenne, and then happy to have you, Wendy and Graham. So I'd love to hear about both what everybody does. So eh, without further ado, just real quick, because we just do a quick round of introductions around the corner. So Wendy, you wouldn't mind introducing yourself real quick and what brings you to the meetup group? Uh, well, I am pivoting into da uh, data analytics and I've been looking for some uh, online support and people just to learn from. And that's about it, really. <laughs> I'm just trying to learn. So I'm really, really new and I'm doing um, the springboard boot camp. And I am actually on the statistics unit in that boot camp right now. I'm getting a little step. Um, I've gone through the Google Analytics um, data analytics certificate on Coursera, uh, but I still need a lot of uh, practice. Awesome. Well, you're in the right place. Today, I'm going to introduce to you a real interesting and powerful model that a lot of people utilize. So hopefully you can get some use out of this as well. Marjana, would you mind introducing yourself real quick? Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, so I was an academic research scientist for like 10 years and then I uh, made a career change to software engineering. Uh, I like cannabis and I want to delve more into the cannabis data. So, you know, here I am. Nice to meet everyone. And it's good to have your expertise. Marjani keeps, keeps us on our toes here. So if you need a good a statistical whiz, she's a good resource. I know a little bit, but thanks, Keith. <laughs> uh, she's humble. So, Graham, you wouldn't mind introducing yourself real quick, would you? Yeah, I'm new here. My name is Graham. Um, I used to be a data scientist, but now I'm disabled. I have a rare genetic disease that has nearly taken my life multiple times over the two years. I still have shakes and everything, and I'm not out of the woods yet, but I'm able to live again, and I have extensive background in pure mathematics, pure physics, and I have a master's degree in applied mathematics with a specialization in deep learning. I worked at a company called Black Sky, which partnered with something I think you guys know of at, at SpaceX. I was on the first small set mission focusing on um, coding, which would help in super resolution of satellite images. So I guess where I'm at now is I'm trying to see how much of my old memory is still with me. And one of the things is I've always been a stoner and cannabis severely help with the pain and everything associated with disease. 
basically I've been on chemotherapy for the past three years. I struggle to eat, do most major things, and and yeah, it's such a rare disease. My doctor admits he doesn't know what's wrong with me most of the time. Cannabis is the only way I can self-medicate my symptoms away. So I'm gaining a pretty big passion for this. And when I saw on Meetup, there was a chance for data science with, with cannabis. I jumped at it. I'd done neural networks. My specialty was in particular unsupervised learning and learning with small data sets. So I feel as though my math and um, data science background would fit perfectly into this. And also I'm potentially looking to move to Boston this spring. And it's nice to have people in Boston that are, are like-minded with me and I want to reach out. Well, awesome, Graham. You're in the perfect place. So yes, what do, have you contribute to the group along the way too? Because it sounds like you've got quite the background. So you can keep us on our toes too. So keep us sharp because we're fallible here. So if we make any mistakes, yeah. So feel free to contribute and awesome to have you. So definitely feel free to share your perspective anyway, at any point along the way. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I tend to ramble, but oh, right. <laughs> but I thought, okay, you know, at least I'll have something to share with the group today. So I'll do a quick spiel here. So at any point along the way, feel free to chime up if anyone's got any questions or comments or you need to pause. And then I'll save time, maybe 15 minutes or so, 10 to 15 minutes at the end to just go ahead and talk about everything. So without further ado, I'll go ahead and share my screen and show you some of the work that I've been working on and um, some tools that I think are useful. Bit of a history lesson. So I'd like to incorporate many aspects into analysis. And I think history and knowing where some of the methods come from is important. So today we'll be talking about instrumental variables and I identify with where these came from. So this is an interesting story here. So this economist, sort of a footnote in history, Philip Wright, he was preoccupied with taxes on oils. So vegetables and animal oils that were getting imported and exported into the U.S. So this was... So he came up with the idea of instrumental variables almost 100 years ago now, 1928. And so he introduced the idea in the appendix of a work that he put together, the tariff on animal and vegetable oils. And so as you can see, this is the data that they were working with back there. So you know he had annual data of imports and exports and you know we always talk about measurement error well couldn't you imagine the measurement error that was present in 1924 and 1925 and so 
sometimes we can be frustrated with the data that we have, but just remember that the data that we have access to and the statistical tools that we have in our tool belt are just uncomparable to what people were working with 100 years ago. A lot of the analysis is the same. So here we're talking about supply and demand. So we'll be preoccupied with the cannabis market. And so Philip Wright was preoccupied with the market of vegetable and animal oils. So it's just the commodity of the day. And so as you can imagine, if oils are scarce, one could imagine that, you know, oil was, you know, these vegetable oils were like gold back then. Similarly, cannabis is like gold today. So this is what we're preoccupied with. But that doesn't mean we can't have some interesting statistical insights along the way. And as you can see, the economic theory underlying everything is still built on the same foundations. So here you have the supply and the demand curves, and both agree that left unimpeded in a perfectly competitive market, you would see supply equal demand. You have a price that clears the market, and you have the quantity that is observed. Well, what is a tariff? Well, a tariff is essentially a tax. So, whereas Philip Wright was concerned with tariffs, we're a little interested in taxes. And similar to a tax, we're in particularly interested in, or at least I am, in quantity restrictions. So, in various markets where you observe cannabis production that's permitted, you see often there are caps on licenses. And so one would imagine if left uncapped, you would see quantity reach the point where supply equals demand and prices would clear at the competitive level. What we observe is there's a high demand for licensee for the actual license itself. So that must mean that there's this binding quantity restriction here. So we must actually be operating somewhere here where quantity is less than the quantity observed. Okay, that's fine and dandy. Why does this matter? Well, what's interesting is we could watch the movement here. So if we were to increase the quantity caps here, you would expect us to move down the demand curve. So you would expect prices to decrease quantity to increase as we slowly move down the demand curve. So we observe this. So both in Illinois and in Massachusetts, you see 
there being a quantity of retailers, and then the cap is slowly increased as more and more retailers are licensed into the market. And so what that allows us is we could potentially observe this movement along the demand curve. So that way we could actually estimate the demand for cannabis in these various states. And that could be useful in its own right. Um, so that way we could start to, to characterize many things such as what the potential competitive level may be given given supply. So, so that's what we're after is estimating this demand curve. Well, what Philip Wright noted almost a hundred years ago is that this is going to be tricky to do. So we are, we are given price and quantity over time. And this is what we want to observe right here. We want to observe the supply curve increasing, prices decreasing, and quantities increasing. However, at this very same time, the demand curve may be shifting. So you can think about, okay, maybe there are more consumers, maybe there is population growth, or maybe there's a change in preferences. So maybe there are more people that are interested in cannabis. So the demand curve could be shifting this whole time. So what Philip points out is if both supply and demand are shifting, the effect on quantity and prices is ambiguous. So it's hard to tell if we're just if we just are observing these price and quantity points throughout time, then we're not going to be able to observe you know, this nice movement down the demand curve. It's just things are going to be all over the place. And see, here we observe increasing price and quantity. And that's not what you would expect in a demand curve. So the way we can go about solving this problem is with instrumental variables. So basically, we're going to find a factor that shifts the supply curve, but doesn't affect essentially prices. So you would expect, you know, demand should, should remain constant. However, we need something to shift the supply curve. And so we can think, and this is called your instrument. And so we can think of better instruments along the way, but I was just going to use just the total number of retailers in the market. So that would just be how many people are, you know, allowed to participate. So the more people who are allowed to participate, you would expect that to affect quantity. 
and just the amount of people in the market alone wouldn't affect prices directly. Um, that way it would, it would have to affect prices through quantity. So that's probably a poor instrument and poor justification for the instrument, but we're, we'll at least do a mental exercise. Um, because the, the, the important concept is the idea of instrumental variables. And I'll let you look up a bit more of the, the technical aspects and I, it can maybe share some resources with you because at least when I was studying economics, I knew someone who worked at a, as a reviewer where papers were published. And essentially the very first thing they looked for in prospective papers is what's the instrument? So that's the very first question the reviewer was asking is what's the instrument? Um, so if you're going to be talking about causal relationships and so the supply, the demand curve, that would be the causal relationship you're going to need to what's called identify the causal relationship. So you have to prove that there's more than just correlation going on. So there's various ways you can do that. We were talking about panel data as a way that you can begin to establish causation. Well, instrumental variables is the classic way at the moment to identify causation. So I'm, of course, doing a poor, poor explanation of instrumental variables, but I'm at least telling you about the concept because this is a tool that almost everybody who's publishing papers, at least in the field of economics, this is something that they're using whether or not it appears in their paper, because oftentimes to get, you know, a paper published, you have to do statistics above and beyond. Sometimes it's even presented in the paper. So sometimes just because the paper may be short, there could be a lot of other work that's gone in, into the analysis. So long story short, Instrumental variables is something you'll want to be touched up on. And so now I'll just show you real quick how you can go about using instrumental variables. And please keep in mind that this is going to be a quick and dirty version. And so you'll want to think of a better instrument if you're doing this yourself my instrument is really poor but i'm just doing using it as a brain exercise here so on wednesday i'll talk about how i went about scrounging this data essentially we're reading it from the Illinois Department of Revenue here. So the, actually the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation. So they 
put together a list of licenses and then they also put together a list of sales data so we'll use a nifty tool pdf plumber which elegantly parses this data for us so that way we can get a nice automated workflow here so just to walk through the the code real quick and i'll share this with you afterwards so that way you can play around with the code yourself essentially what we're doing is we're downloading the pdf it'll actually be you know we'll that download the pdf there next we'll read the pdf in with pdf plumber and then the way pdf plumber works is we basically parse all of the data into an array so we can read in this array of licensees here and then we have to manually assemble this into a data frame but Hopefully, if they don't change their PDF too, too much from month to month, our automation can remain the same. And so, as you can see, automation is more of an art than a science, but we can automate what we have for now. But long story short, we've got our licensees data here, and you know, with a little bit of cleaning, we can, you know, parse out even more fields. This is a little above and beyond what we actually need because we just need the, the total count, really. Next, we can go ahead and get the sales data and similarly reading the data in as a giant array here and then doing a bit of cleaning to you know parse out what's not actually in the table and then clean up the table data into numeric values here so i'll share the code with you but just a bunch of data cleaning and adding a time index so and then handling dollar signs so Good amount of cleanings necessary and then i prefer putting things at time stamped at the end of the month but that's just personal preference so long story short we are given a nice set of data now so this is really cool because what we're actually interested in here is the item sold because this is our quantity so this is Q over time, right? Because we're interested in quantity and price. So this is an imperfect measure of price, but we'll, we'll take what we're given here. So the way we're going to calculate price not sure we necessarily need these extra statistics here 
but I'm going to go ahead and grab them for the time being. This is basically just population data. So this could be superfluous. Um, so we'll just continue on with my train of thought here where we're, we're looking at sales data. So we're looking at sales quantity and now we need price. And so for an imperfect measure of price, I'm going to use average sales per item. So this would basically be the average price per item. So not perfect, but better than been better than nothing. And it's at least works for our, our mental exercise here. In Massachusetts, we actually have prices. So we can repeat our demand study in Massachusetts using the actual recorded prices. Here you see the average price per item fluctuating between 40 and 50 dollars per item so you can think of that almost as you know a consumer's basket um so well actually not necessarily i, I retract that that last statement got, got a little, little ahead of the skis there um so anyways this is the average price per item and so Let's say you were going to just do a scatter plot of these two, right? So where X is our quantity, and then Y is the price. So here we've got quantity on the x-axis and what we're calling price on the y-axis. So if one was naively going to try to draw a demand curve through this, well, you would just run a regression of price on quantity. And so, you know, we can naively do that. And we wouldn't, so we've got a positive slope here. So first rule of economics is the, the demand curve is negatively sloped. So What are we doing? I am so lost right now. I've had my hand up for a while. Oh, I've okay. lost since the explanatory variable because... I'm not an economics person, so I just, I need to know how to ask questions. Yes. Because I'm so lost right now. Okay. Okay. Thank Remember, you. Thank, I'm, you for, thank you for I'm, stopping. So essentially what we're trying to do here is we're trying to find this red curve. So 
we're just looking at the market for cannabis. So cannabis, it has a certain price. And then there's, you know, a certain amount that's sold. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so we know the amount that's sold here. I guess what I'm asking is, from my understanding, an instrumental variable is neither of those two things. I'm trying to find where, where you're going with this instrumental variable. I get that idea mathematically, but I'm not hearing a third variable in the relationship. I'm only seeing an X and Y. Exactly. You're 100% right. So basically, I I haven't introduced the instrument yet. So I, I'm ba I'm basically just saying, okay, what what would happen if you just tried to draw? So so basically, what I'm trying to say is, okay, we're observing quantity over time, and we're also observing what we're calling prices over time. Yeah, I get it now. The you you made it click. So okay. I'm all cut up now. Once I'm I'm trying to find the instrumental variable in your talk. Now I'm I'm all caught up. Okay, exactly. So I haven't introduced the instrument yet. I will I will hear uh, really shortly. Um so thank you for stopping. Um so and like I said, I'm probably doing a poor job of explaining this. Um I wish I could put um labels on this um here one second let's see if one second i'm, I'm not... writing stuff down as well as you do it so i okay. so i can deal with the labels i have a big enough monitor as well where i can see what the code is as well when you're typing in okay awesome so Okay, so just bear with me. So, so prices on the y-axis and quantities on the x-axis. And so we're just observing these price-quantity pairs over time. And so if we were just naively going to say, okay, this is a demand curve or this is a supply curve, well, what we're saying is, this could be happening so not only so basically we're just observing these you know random points over time so we may observe this point then we may observe this point and then we may observe this point and so the idea is supply and demand are shifting over time so we can't really just draw this nice line here so we can't say, oh, yes, we've identified the supply curve or, oh, yes, we've identified the demand curve because both things are shifting. So, so long story short, if you were going to just run a regression through these naively, you would say, okay, maybe this is movement along the supply curve 
So you'd say, oh, it looks like prices are slowly increasing. Maybe we're moving up the supply curve. But that's not really what's happening because both both the supply and the demand curve are shifting over time. So basically, I need an instrument here. So the, so the instrument would shift the supply curve, but not the demand curve. So basically, I'm looking for an instrument here that would cause this supply curve to shift without without you know changing demand and basically what i'm saying is i think i think i really wanted to use change in retailers but as i'll show you the change in retailers isn't a valid instrument but so this instrument total retailers has its own slew of problems here so i'm just going to almost do this as a mental exercise noting that this is a really really bad choice in an instrument but basically we need a variable here that's correlated with items sold but it's not correlated with price we have just total retailers over time. So starting at 40, going to 110, and unfortunately remaining constant for a handful of months. And so basically what I'm conjecturing is if total retailers increases, quantity increases, total retailers doesn't have an effect on price directly. So the way you would test this is you, you know you'd run a regression here of total retailers on quantity and as i noticed this is a really poor variable here because you're going to have what's called spurious causation so both um you know both they both have the same trend here. Um, so if you you know plot these two, they both have a positive trend here. So you'd really have to you know get rid of the trend to you know use this as a as a good explanatory variable. And unfortunately, I've tried to do that with change in retailers. So just looking at the change of retailers over time. But this one is not not correlated with with quantity, so it's not a valid instrument. Total retailers is, from my understanding, it appears to be a valid instrument. But like I said, I've got some some grave concerns. So more as a mental exercise. <laughs> I'll just, uh, you know, at least show you how you can estimate this with Python and then perhaps think of a better instrument to use in Massachusetts. So without further ado, we're basically saying, okay, we're going to use total retailers to try to capture this change in the supply curve 
and then run a regression of that change on prices to try to isolate this demand curve here. So it's called what's a, a two-stage a two-stage least square, so a two-stage regression. So basically the first stage we regress quantity on total retailers. And then on the second stage, we regress price on the, the change that we essentially the change that's coming from total retailers on quantity. So we're only looking at a frac, we're only basically looking at part of the change in quantity, if that makes sense. And I'm probably not explaining it very well. So without further ado, we can go ahead and estimate the economic, we can go ahead and estimate the model here. So I'm using this model here, linear models, because I was having a little trouble fitting the, the stats models. So I'll try again with the stats models and, and make sure they're the same. So you may have to, you know, pip, pip install linear models. However, it, it appears to, to fit the regression. So So long story short here, ordinary least squares, we're just running the regression of price on quantity in total retailers. And we would expect total retailers to be insignificant. And then in the second, the IV regression, we're basically regressing price on Q hat and Q hat is a regression on total retailers. So we're basically just looking at the change in quantity coming from our instrument, total retailers. So we can fit these models here we still have a a positive parameter on quantity so like i said we're we're still we've still got problems here because i would if we're identifying the demand curve then we need a negative coefficient on quantity so I don't think we've identified the demand curve here. Um, um, and so I'm going to need to think a, a bit more if we've, if, if we've identified the supply curve, but I just don't feel like um, that's what our estimates are here. So, Hopefully I haven't instilled much confidence in you because this is something that, you know, you'll need to, to look, look at yourselves, but, but my main takeaway is, okay, if you look at all of these models together, okay. So if you look at, 
really these two models side by side, the ordinary least squares and your instrumental variables. You do, right, so we can't claim significance here for, for either of our coefficients. So here's our coefficient on quantity. So 2e to the 6th. And then once we estimate it with instrumental variables, we get 3e to the 7th. And so this, this has been a pretty bad statistical exercise here. So I wouldn't present, um, you know, present this analysis. So like I said, real bad instrumental variable. I'm not 100% certain I'm doing the estimation correctly here with linear models. And I probably didn't explain instrumental variables very well to you here. So I hope I've left a lot of uncertainty to you. But my main takeaway is Hey, Keegan, uh, Graham had a question. I'm not sure if you can see our videos. So. Oh, yes. Oh, I wasn't saying I had a question. I was actually adding on to it. It makes sense. In a mathematical formula, what you're doing here with least squares is trying to say that the change in the number of retailers is negatively correlated with the quantity. And if you integrate that back, what you're saying is, a larger number of retailers would mean that you see a decrease in the quantity of the product, which doesn't really make sense if more people are producing the cannabis per se. But I think you're very much so on the right track. I think it's just a matter of not having the instrument. Yeah, but I do think you explained it very well. And I'm really interested in this. And it's a good thought exercise. You had the math right from an ex-math professor. You explained it very well. I just didn't know your economic terms. That's why when you explained it, it clicked like that. So be a little nicer on yourself awesome graham i'm happy to hear that from you from like as you said the, the math professor angle because th this stuff still gives me trouble to this day so we, we all still have some to learn and in fact what you've hit on brings me to these two quotes that that philip introduced so one identifying these cost curve which is the supply curve and the demand curve they're elusive so it's tough to pin these down and then two he says it depends on the skill of the statistician and so if you hear people talking about instrumental variables and in fact i'm going to to share this reading with you um, because this is an open source book, which I think does a great job of it, talking about instrumental variables. But they introduced the concept of how it, it's tough for people to even come up um, with, with good instruments. 
so so I'll let you read through this on your own, but that's sort of where you know the the art meets the science is being able to tell a good story for your for your instrument. And so, as Graham pointed out, we're more we're more going through today as a statistical exercise versus actually trying to draw any conclusions. But what I would just to like to share with you is what I've observed empirically is there's often a big difference between the estimates from an ordinary least squares regression and your instrumental variable two stage least squares. There's not always. Sometimes they estimate, you know, the similar coefficients here. But in scenarios like this, where you expect there to be a lot of shifting and the ability to identify, um, you know, particular changes. So, for example, supply and demand, classic scenario where you need an instrument then you would expect that there to be this big variance here. And so long story short, it would be awesome to know what the demand is for cannabis in Illinois. However, we're going to need to spend a bit more time on this. So we're going to need to identify a better instrument in hopes to disentangle this relationship a, bit, a little bit better. Because ideally, ultimately, we would like to be able to plot, you know, a demand curve and a supply curve and then be able to, you know, conjecture about if there's, say, a deadweight loss or what's produ producer surplus or what's consumer surplus. So it would be awesome to be able to quantify these instead of just making conjectures that, oh, we think the quantity is less than competitive. So it'd be awesome if we could quantify these. And so we're, go we're going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> so, so I'll, you know, share this work with you just to, to keep in mind there's a lot of improvements to do. And in the, the article, they talk about some diagnostics that you can do. So, however, without further ado, are there any, any more questions, comments, concerns from, from the rough lesson on statistics today? What I'm thinking of just from my experience, I'm in Maryland, very different. We only have medical, it's very, terpene related but at least in here the demand curve is definitely dependent on the quality of the flower out um in particular with us because in maryland you have to understand the consumer in maryland they're all height heads so they breed specifically to get the product that you want. And so just in terms of that, just a, a simple change in numbers seems to affect the price down here. Will affect demand 
but I'm going to look into it maybe this week or something, seeing what mathematical factors could be into this, because this is a PDE equation. I studied this in grad school. So it kind of makes sense. Ordinary least squares doesn't affect it or doesn't represent it all that well. Exactly, because it's if you just do a regression of price on quantity over time, there's just so many factors that are, say, shifting supply or shifting demand. Um, one thing you hit on was the various quality. And so we're sort of making a big assumption here, and then I'll get to Shyam's question. But our big assumption is basically just a uniform product. So we're just assuming an item sold is an item sold. And... The way you can kind of abstract this is just say, oh, somebody's just in the market for 100 milligrams of THC or 100 milligrams of CBD. And so it doesn't matter how they get that 100 milligrams, whether they're having to buy uh, a big item or a small item, or if that item's an edible or a liquid or a flower, as long as it's got the 100 milligrams. So that's how you can kind of abstract away the difference. However, I think the difference matters, right? Because really these are imperfect substitutes. So some people can readily substitute, say, between flour and oil. Some people's preferences wouldn't allow them to substitute. Same with edibles. So it, these are really imperfect substitutes. So there's a, a whole lot of rich analysis you could do on the substitutability of the various goods because they you could say they they there's a market for each of these there's a market for pre-rolls there's a market for edibles there's a market for flour and a market for oil and so you could actually look at these as individual markets themselves instead of just lumping it all into to one and and then to answer Shyam's question real quick so Shyam asks okay is this similar to ordinary least squares and it's basically ordinary least squares twice. So you're basically doing an ordinary least squares regression on your independent variable. So you're taking your independent variable that you think you can instrument and you're running a regression on your independent variable with your instrument and then Right. When you do a regression, right, you get Y hat, which is your regression line. So instead of using Q, you're going to use Q hat. So you're going to basically take your predictions from your first regression and you're going to use your predictions in your second regression. So your second regression is yet again, ordinary least squares, but now you're regressing price on q hat your estimates from your first regression so that's why they call it the two-stage least squares and in fact i probably should have just so you can do this by hand right and hmm. in fact you probably should uh, your first go around right instead of just using this stats package we could we could have just done this by hand and estimated q hat and then substitute and then used q hat as a regressor and so perhaps 
I'm, I haven't heard of the multi-output regression, so I'll need to do my homework on that. But but two-stage least squares, it, it sounds complex at first, and it may sound intimidating, but it but really it's just ordinary least squares at the heart of it. So it's a tool that you can all get it into your tool belt, and you'll be doing statistics with the best of them. Because as I said, when you're a lot of times, like say you're writing a field in the, if you're writing a paper in the field of economics, I don't know about these days, but at least a few years ago, they wanted you to have an instrument. So if all of you are comfortable thinking of and doing analysis with instruments, then you're up to par with, with the best with the best of them out there. Um, and even a step above a lot of people out there. So, you know, so as I said, this is still something that I need to, to hone up on, but I would, I would encourage you all to, to start to researching instrumental variables because one, it can disentangle some good relationships in your data. Two, it can build confidence with people you're presenting your data to if they're a statistician or an economist or they know their stuff and, and then three you know you can uh, learn a lot from this so so i think those are three good reasons to to look up instrumental variables because i can't imagine that i did a, a good enough job because, uh, so so but long story I, I'd like to say that you did a great job of like just introducing it because I even like in my career as a research scientist, I never used an instrumental variable actually. Um, so um, yeah, this this is great, and I, I'm gonna read up on it and um, try to understand it further. Um, I had a question about like we've been talking about supply and demand, and uh, with, with the data that we have would sales be representative of demand here or well if you check out the actually i'll put the link to it the um philip talks about this in his paper so it really is best to measure quantity is actually like the actual quantity sold uh i'll show you i did it in massachusetts with sales as a proxy for quantity okay. um so that's more of a philosophical economics argument i think because um. you know for like in just like biomedical science like for something uh wanting a medicine or something you can do like surveys right it's not just sales but like getting that information as to who's buying it uh how many times did they buy it um i, I don't know if with cannabis we can do that kind of um surveys because uh you know people don't like to share the information that they are buying rec recreationally. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm really explaining my question properly, but I'm just trying to understand uh, what other ways can we represent demand, but uh, I'll read the paper that you suggested. So. Exactly, and so it's basically I think I, it's really, you know, the the nitpicky economists, right? Because it's basically like, oh, if you've got, you know, price on the y-axis, don't be like mixing 
um, price times quantity on the x-axis you really want quantity alone down there um so i'm gonna actually do some homework before i just spout off something so i'm gonna actually maybe need some do some homework to answer your question better but the the first point you raised it could just be the field of economics so it could just be for whatever reason economists have gotten fo laser focused in on these instrumental variables but in in my you know in the field of economics it's people look for them a lot so i'm not saying every paper has them because there are other ways that you can identify causal relationships so for example the pa the panel data however it's a tool that economists use a lot and so perhaps in other fields they could utilize them as well there's still a whole lot more to cover i think i'm going to go ahead and end it there just to be respectful of everyone's time so i have a bad habit of running long but who knows you you all are busy people so you probably have a lot to do today so i'll let let you get on with things and then as i said there's still a lot more to cover about so marjana i'm going to research your question and see okay if you're doing supply and demand studies how exactly can you measure the demand can you use total sales so this is something that i want to be able to firmly give you a better answer on and then for the rest of the group i'll try to iron out instrumental variables and we can think about what to talk about next saturday even if we just continue talking about instrumental variables and maybe think of a new example to apply them to and, and do it even better and more elegantly. So thank you all for attending.